We're good. Good. All right. Welcome to Safety Man Podcast. I am Safety Man Corey Jones. I'm joined by my partner, as always, Anthony Sicali, Ida Hoagie. Yeah. And Anthony, I really want you to give the, the real introduction to our guest here. Because he's got a lot of qualifications. I can't remember all those three and four-letter titles. So, uh, Brian Collins. Uh, I met him a couple years ago for a training he did uh, for a department that I was at. And he taught us about tourniquets. And I'm going to tell you, I've got a lot of training over the years. And sometimes things are really good training, but it's not practical. I probably would never use it. Or maybe it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Um, When I got this tourniquet training, I said, wow, this is something that I could definitely see... I would have to use at some point in my life, even working as an officer or off duty. Um, and so I said, you know what, Brian would be great to have on our show because I learned a lot that day and I want to kind of share the world to the, you know, to the world. So indeed, indeed. So Brian, let's start a uh, yeah. little background. Where, where'd you come from? How'd you get to this work, line of work and you know, how'd you, how'd you get to this point? So uh, I've, I've been a career paramedic for 25 years here and there. Um, so that's where I started. I, I, I've been an EMT paramedic and then I kind of work, I work for Cooper and I do their outreach and their education. So I was explaining earlier that I work for various service lines in our hospital, you know, like neurology, cardiology, obviously emergency department as well as trauma. So I provide education classes, uh, mostly to pre-hospital providers who are actually all emergency responders from police, fire, and EMS. Mm-hmm. Um, so for trauma, this is one of the biggest classes I teach. And in my personal opinion, it's, it's probably one of the most important classes that I do teach. Um, I've done CPR training before and everything else, but to me, this is by far one of the most important classes. Um, the reason being is, is that somebody can sanguinate, they can die from major, major bleeding within, within minutes. And you call the 911 system and you call for an ambulance, police, fire, and EMS. You know, law enforcement, you guys will probably be there you know, sooner than us on the EMS side. But even so, your response time is still going to be a good five minutes maybe. Yeah. At the yeah. best time, yeah. right? On a good day, yeah. On a good day. So yeah. you can bleed out in less than five minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you don't stop the bleeding at your home or whatever incident that you're involved in, it doesn't have to be just from a shooting. It could be some other type of trauma from accidents, falls, etc. And that's what you learn in the class is you never know when somebody might be bleeding out to death. You just don't know. And um, it takes, in a, if it gets a major artery, uh, carotid arteries, your radioles, brachials, your femoral arteries, which is the big, big, juicy, plumpy um, artery down there, okay. that's, you, you'll be dead in three to five minutes. And if nobody's there to apply pressure or n- apply a tourniquet, uh, dressing of some type, you know. Yeah, it's not good. So it, it's definitely super important for, like you said, everybody to know, and especially, you know, we're coming, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Hopefully, maybe the end is the end is near, but the EMS system and the emergency room t- uh, system can get stressed, yep. and that's going to increase everybody's wait time. And then we have, you know, social unrest in certain cities where police, fire, EMS may not be able to get to them. If something's going on so that can also put people under stress and we've talked about that on a podcast before about why we want people to be self-sufficient and know all these things so that's one of the things that I, I find important about what you're saying is that you're getting, going to give the average citizen the ability to buy time until they can get to that trauma center right yep it's, it's about exactly what you just said it's about buying time if you even slow the bleeding down enough or if you're able to stop it completely until help arrives that's what's key and that's what's the most important thing. 
you know, I, I started the training mostly at targeted law enforcement initially because obviously you guys are in a career field that you're predisposed to a lot more dangers than the average person, right? And so with that, I keep always arguing that you can call for help if something was to happen to you guys. And I did most of the training and I revolve it around mostly for while you're on duty. Um, but as I said earlier, you don't know what can happen outside when you're off duty. And it's learning how to stop that bleeding, minimizing the bleeding as best as you can until definitive help can arrive. And that means basically bring, bring in a tourniquet, uh, wound pack dressing, the professional help that you need. And once you slap that tourniquet on, it, 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 you truly, truly are saving that person's life. Mm -hmm. You're buying them that time and the ability to, to live another day. So one of the common questions, I, was, we, I learned this when I first learned tourniquets probably 30 years ago when I was learning Boy Scouts, 40 years ago. Yep. If you put a tourniquet on, you're going to lose the limb. Yeah. So that is a great question. That question comes up uh, pretty often in the class. Mm -hmm. So that is a fallacy and it's a myth. Um, the new clinical research that comes out and most of the trauma research that comes out we get from the military side okay because our trauma care comes from from the military and which makes sense because obviously they see the first lines and they get the first line data so that's that's yeah. exactly the reason so going back to having an amputated limb from a tourniquet application is absolutely false the studies come out for two three four hours later and there has been no amputations out there uh, further out you go, you do have some uh, neurological deficits, some numbness, tingling, etc. But I always tell in the class, what's the alternative, mm -hmm. right? Can you live with numbness or tingling, or can you, or you won't live at all? Yeah. Is, is what it really comes down to. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, going back to onto the military and having military care, and that's where trauma care comes from. When you go off to the military, the first thing you're taught is basically this: stop the bleed class, and you're given an IFAC kit. Because you are taught to, you have to treat yourself. You know, you, if you have a combat medic with you, that's all the better. But you have to learn to treat yourself or treat your buddies that are out in the field with you. Mm -hmm. And that's where this class were pretty much originated from. Um, it comes from that uh, committee on tactical combat casualty care, uh, TCCC. From I think most people probably heard about it. Mm -hmm. So stop the bleed. That's the name of this organization that you are a part of. So what stop the bleed is? It's a national initiative by the American College of Surgeons on the civilian medical side, and they got this uh, training and um, lumped it and called it stop the bleed, and kind of focused it more for civilians to get that training out there. So think about when CPR first started, mm -hmm. okay? It was a big push by the American Heart Association to get everybody trained in CPR. So now the American College of Surgeons is doing stop the bleed training and trying to make a big grassroots effort to get as many people out there trained as possible. Because mm -hmm. the more people that are trained in learning how to stop life-threatening bleeding, more lives will be saved. Just like more people that are trained in CPR, more lives will be saved because in order to have you know, good survivability chances from cardiac arrest, you need somebody immediately on the chest thumping on it, right, to circulate that volume of blood because the blood's not being circulated. And it's the same thing with stop the bleed, mm -hmm. is that you need somebody immediately start applying compression, um, manual pressure to that site of the wound mm -hmm. to either slow it down or completely stop the bleeding to give that person a fighting chance to live. So, um, but it's an it's a effort by the American College of Surgeons and I gear my training classes, as I said, what my job is at Cooper is providing education and training mostly to emergency responders, police, fire, and EMS. So I geared my training around that, but 
I have gone out, that starting last year, which was my new initiative, is going out to the schools. And mm -hmm. I mean, I yeah, that's how we were talking before about. Yeah. Yeah. And because if you think about what happens on, God forbid, a, a, um, a school shooting event or any type of um, traumatic event or any serious life threats going on at school, the first thing that they all do is go into lockdown. Everybody goes into their school. And I bring up the Columbine. We all know about what happened in Columbine. It took three hours for EMS to get into that school mm -hmm. to give the clearance for EMS. So we can't come in until you guys give us the green light. Right. I just told you, you can die in three to five minutes. What good is it if I come in even 10, 15 minutes later? Because all, all I'm going to do is just pronounce everybody dead into yeah. the time of death. Mm -hmm. There was a science teacher in the uh, school at Columbine and got shot and they all dragged him into the class and all the kids didn't know what to do and how to stop bleeding. They all watched him die and yeah. bleed to death. And Columbine was a high school, so yeah. they're a little more... Yeah, this school, is you know, school. a little different than elementary where yeah. a high school student yeah. teaching them this, they'll be able to do this. Be they will be this. able to do it. And yeah. I went to my local school district mm -hmm. and provided this training to everybody in there, with exception without, uh, except the students. But I had all the teachers, administrators, custodian aides come in and get to receive that training because we're not going to be in there. Yeah. And you guys on the law enforcement side are not going to be in there stopping bleeding. We're going to yeah. be busy. Stop You're going to be right? taking out the shooter, the actor, yeah. right? And, and people, I think people don't realize that, that law enforcement now are trained to go after the shooter and not stop the victim. Yeah, yeah, that's the primary focus. And, and that might even, take a few minutes to do that, four, five, six minutes, you know? even after you do, yes, because active shooting events last, what, nine, 11 yeah. minutes, right? Mm -hmm. But even after you do that, you still have to secure the scene. Yeah. Because you don't know if there's multiple actors, if there's devices around. So even, even though you have somebody over there that's squirting blood out, you're not gonna really jump over there. Yeah. And at that time, by the time you take the actor down, they're they've already succumbed to their injuries. Yeah. And there's a there's a know? good incident. There's a, a an active shooter in a movie theater down in Alabama, one of the southern states, and a lot of people survived because the officers had tourniquets that they were trained in how to use. Mm -hmm. and I know you'll like this. That the officers actually applied tourniquets to some of the shooting victims that were in the theater and were they saved numerous lives, like four or five lives, just by doing that. And if you also remember the active shooter outside in Vegas. There were some military guys that were taking yep. off their belts and, and ripping shirts makeshift and pants to do makeshift tourniquets. So that's what I kind of wanted to ask you is, what's the first thing? You, you walk in here and one of these giant lights fell down on me and, and cut me right here and I'm bleeding. Like, what's, what's the first thing? Manual pressure. So we're going to do grab, manual pressure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Grab it here. What mm -hmm. I do is I grab my knee and I would put it over here where that source mm -hmm. of the bleeding is coming from. Mm -hmm. Okay. And depending on where the injury occurs is going to determine how you're going to treat it. Mm -hmm. So if you're bleeding from here and it gets your, your brachial artery, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to apply direct pressure above it. Just like if you're bleeding, have a bloody nose, mm -hmm. you don't pinch off the, you know, the tip no, of your it nose. Just fills it, up. <laughs> it just fills it. You're just forming a dam, right? It's yeah. not going to stop the vessel. You have to pinch the vessel off that's bleeding. Mm -hmm. That's why you pinch off the bridge of your nose. So if you're bleeding from here, I can't push down here because what happens is with the arteries, if it's completely severed, it's kind of like a rubber band under tension. If you pull a rubber band, have it under tension, and you snip that rubber band, what, what, does, what happens to the rubber it band? Shrink up. It retracts yeah. back. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing like an artery. It's a high-pressure vessel, right? Because it's got to circulate all that good oxygenated blood from head to toe. So if it's completely severed, it might retract back a little bit. So if you're cut here, it might shrink back here, and that's why I put the tourniquet above where that side of that hole is. Mm -hmm. But I, 
we talked a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. if you take one in your carotid arteries, get cut up in here or have some type of penetrating injury, you can't put a tourniquet around somebody's neck, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. A, that's called a noose. Yeah, yeah. it's a different show. <laughs> Will it stop the bleeding? Mm, yes, maybe, but it's also going to stop them from breathing. Yes. So you apply manual pressure as best as you can, and with those types of wounds, you will have to pack the wound. You have to find some type of gauze, combat gauze, which is better, which is hemostatic dressing, and mm -hmm. that's a whole different topic there. But you start packing the wound is what we call it. Basically, you're taking that material and just shoving it into the hole, completely filling it up as much as you can, and just making it as rock solid so the blood has nowhere to escape. So if I'm, I'm, if I show up just this, I have this in my pocket knife, can I cut my sleeves off and start using my sleeves if I don't have anything else? You can. Sure, so but what I'm gonna tell you is, if during the training, uh, learning how to apply pressure will probably be more effective. Okay. So, because um, in those sites, so if you get one, so here and in your armpit, and in your groin area are sites that you can't put a tourniquet, okay? Mm -hmm. Those are called junctional sites. Mm -hmm. I would take my knee and I would put it right here in your armpit. Mm -hmm. And with that weight of my body weight, we'll apply enough pressure to squeeze down on that vessel mm -hmm. to prevent it from pumping out blood. Okay. Because well, you want to compress the vessel is what you want to do. One thing I definitely got out of his class was using the knee because yeah. it doesn't matter. He showed like, he took the strongest guy in class. He said, all right, squeeze this for as long as you can and put as much pressure on it. He has a machine that would show you the like PSI or whatnot and yeah, pressure. Measures the pounds and then pressure. after like a minute or two, you know, so you're like, but you can put your knee down all day and you can still operate. You can use your radio, you yeah. can call for help. You, you can, can shoot, you can shoot. Or if you're just a civilian, you could maybe help someone else or, you know, do call, something pick else. Pick up your cell phone. Pick up your cell phone. Yeah, so your knee has so much more pressure on it and you're still able to function. So like on the leg, you're saying uh, knee right in the femoral, like right in the yeah, junction right, right the there? Yeah, right in the core. Just stick it right in there. Okay. And if they scream, all the better. Because mm -hmm. if they scream, you know what that means? They're alive. They're alive. And they feel pain. So that's and they good. feel pain. Yeah. It means they're feeling pain, they're alive. If they're not screaming, that's not that is not a good sign. Yeah. So I, I saw, and, and you don't yell at me because I'm not the one who did it. I watched <laughs> people do it on YouTube. I have a friend, right? <laughs> I have a friend. Okay. <laughs> they, officers had to shoot somebody. They put a tourniquet on. The woman was there way out in the desert, way out in the desert. So I don't know where the help was coming from. It was going to take a while. They were way out in the desert. She was complaining, complaining, complaining. The bleeding stops, and they also took the tourniquet off. Oh. So no. that no stop bueno, right? Not no, good. no, no, no. Okay. So once it's on, it's on, right? Once it's on, it's on. Mm -hmm. You don't take it off because you don't know how long it's going to take for that person's blood to clot. There's mm -hmm. so many varying factors. If a person's elderly, a lot of times they're on blood thinners, right? Mm -hmm. Aspirin is also technically a blood thinner. So with that, they might have problems with clotting. You don't know if they have a history. I mean, there are people that have history of difficulty clotting. You, you don't know that. So once a tourniquet goes on, it stays on. Okay. Because there's really no detrimental side effects as long as they're within the hospital within that you know, window of a couple hours. Right. And th they should be within the hospital within that window. So no harm, no foul. Put it on, leave it on. Um, you know, they, they tell you in the training that medics and the physicians are the ones that can turn it off. In all my years of applying tourniquets, I have never taken one off. I have no reason to. And I, and I always make the joke, it's like, you know, you put the Band-Aid on, mm -hmm. and then you flip up the Band-Aid and see if it's not bleeding. Then you flip the Band-Aid back down real quick, right? <laughs> you know, we're not doing that anymore. Okay. Put okay. the Band-Aid on, leave it on, take it off, and, you know, the next day or whatever, if you're yeah. going to take a shower. It's not going to make it worse, is what you're saying. It's not going to make it worse. So I don't need to let my cut bleed. I can have a Band-Aid on it for a day. You can I got my flu shot. They gave me a cute little Band-Aid. 
<laughs> with, the, with the little teddy bear on there. Yeah, the teddy bear. But he put it all upside down. I'm like, what? You're you're supposed to be a doctor. And he put my bandaid upside down. So I don't know. Um, so I want to talk about the. So we talked a little bit about like you know what you would do with that one, but uh, a commercial tourniquet. What is the one that you recommend? What does it look like? Are you able to show us a little bit? So I have my own little iFi kit that always goes around with me. It's always in my briefcase. I've got one in my car. I always store one in my backpack when I go out. You know, on daily routines. Might have to hold it up just a little bit there. So, there the one I the one I personally carry is a cat tourniquet. Um, and you know from my training, I, I don't promote one tourniquet over another because when I'm working for Cooper, which I guess technically I am working for Cooper right now, I'm on the clock. Um, <laughs> I, I I cannot promote one tourniquet versus another. But in my experience in using various tourniquets, I do like the cat, and in particular for you guys on the law enforcement side. In my opinion, it's the fastest and easiest to self-deploy, um, especially if you take one in the upper extremity and you lose function of your arm. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, using the cat is by far the easiest to mm -hmm. self-apply. Um, and what do, what do they run about? Like how much are, if someone's looking them up, what are they about? So you sh they should be anywhere between 35 to $45 a piece. Okay. Uh, you can, if you're getting it for your agency, you can get them in bulk and you can talk to the vendors and stuff and see if you can bulk order. Uh, but that those that's usually a couple hundred that you know at a time. Yeah. But um, but it you should also be carrying more than one if if you if you can. I know it's difficult for you guys in uniform. Yeah, you we got have, people that are on lines already have a million things going on. Yeah, I, and that's that's the difficult part is that you're limited on yeah. space where you can actually have it. But I've met some I met some different guys creative. They put it inside, tuck in their shirt. Mm -hmm. You know, just have it in there. Um, they put it down in their boot. There's there's holsters you can get. That's what I got. I got one of those ankle holster. You're so proud of me. My last year, <laughs> I had an ankle holster for my tourniquet. Man, I wish I knew him earlier. So <laughs> so to get into that too, um, because one of our social media questions that we got this week was from Brian and he asked what is an IFAC kit can you explain what it is and like uh, what it stands for and what's actually in it so an IFAC kit is an individual first aid kit it so this is my IFAC kit um, and I was getting I had a grant and I went out and I purchased a bunch of these and I made up my own IFAC kits and at the time when I was able to go out for the training I provide I gave out these kits to to a lot of the people um, unfortunately you came at you know your issue came out afterwards um, but did I give it no did I give no nah, we just oh. no, we did not okay so hold on there you go <laughs> <laughs> but in my IFAC kit I just carry what I need of the basic necessities and we talked a little bit earlier about first aid kits and in the first aid kits people get out these fancy first aid box kits the only thing you really need in a first aid kit is a band-aid and an ice pack Everything else is garbage to me, personally. And the problems that I have with all that stuff is there's too much stuff packed in there that you get lost in the box and you get lost in trying to find what you need. When it comes to an IFAC kit, you're talking about life-threatening emergencies. And I alluded earlier, you have, sometimes you might have minutes to make a decision and to do something. And if you are opening up your kit and have to decipher through 20 different things in your kit, you're wasting time. You have to be able to reach it, open it, put it on, that's it. And it's got to be done. And once you take this thing out of the package, you should take about five to ten seconds to apply. And think about that: five to ten seconds in sixty seconds in one minute, you, you just save somebody's life. So, but in my i5 kit, I have my tourniquet, and I have my wound pack dressing. And as I said, this is stuff that has to go in those sites where you can't put a tourniquet around. Um, and that's that's all I carry. It's just tourniquets and wound pack dressing. Um, 
Okay, my other one that I throw in my uh, expedition bag, so when I go hiking and stuff like that, I have a little bit more advanced stuff in there. I have a chest needle decompression. Um, I carry aluminum foil because the, the foil wraps, because believe it or not, when you have severe bleeding, you get cold. Mm. When you get cold, you don't clot. Yeah. So you have to keep the person warm. And that's why like we do the training is, if it's 100 degrees outside, we turn off the air conditioner in the back of, the, uh, back of our truck. You know, and we use blankets on patients because you've got to keep them warm. Yeah. Um, because, you know, hypothermia prevents clotting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, those are a little bit more advanced things. Um, but, so I, I carry a few additional things in there, like a chest seal. Mm -hmm. um, but, that, but that's it. I don't have a lot of fluff and duff in there. And it's the same size kit, you know, and just get throws, throws it right inside my bag. Yeah. And my kids know how to use this stuff. It's not difficult training whatsoever. You know, I have a 15 and a 10 year old, they know how to do this stuff. Yeah. And, and, and as I said, you know, towards the end of my lectures, I always give, you call 911 and do you know how I stop bleeding to an extremity? I just take a tourniquet. The same training that you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. So and you don't have any magic potion. That I just... have no magic equipment, no magic yeah. skills. It's the same things that you're gonna learn in this Stop the Bleed training class. Now, can you talk about makeshift tourniquets? If I don't have that, yeah, what are there? We were talking earlier about belts. I, when I teach classes, I teach just a basic, I teach people to go to you or your type of a class. <laughs> but when I'm talking to an office full of people, I'll tell them if you've got a, a cord from the 10,000 computer monitors in there, you could probably tie that on or different things. So a cord, it would be questionable. So people have mentioned shoelaces and a belt is one of the big things that people always say, like, I'll use my belt. The way that tourniquets are effective is the torque, the, the squeeze basically around the extremity, okay? So if you're not able to cause that squeeze, we're trying to pinch off a vessel, mainly the, art, the arterial vessel. Your arterial vessels and your veins in your body are deeply embedded inside your muscle fascia. And so you think about somebody's thigh, right? How much squeeze do you think it's gonna to take to tighten around somebody's thigh? Think about Arnold Schwarzenegger's thigh, mm -hmm. okay? I don't want you to think about the Arnold Schwarzenegger's thigh. <laughs> <but>. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not squeezing it, I know that. But as I was saying, like you can't manually squeeze, yeah. get your hands around that person's thigh, mm -hmm. right? So that's why coming with the knee helps out. Um, I tell people like, if you have a broomstick, grab your broomstick and put that right down there and manipulate it back and forth to pinch off that vessel. Yeah. So what happens with the tourniquet is you're causing what we call a circumferential squeeze around that extremity and it's gotta get shrunken as tight as it can. The problem with using a belt is how tightly do you think you can get that squeeze around somebody's? So unless like I stood on it and like was- You have to pull retraction on yeah. that, right? Yeah. You can't tie it off and put a belt and put it in a little belt loop. There's no way you're gonna get that small of a circumference around there. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the days when I mentioned earlier, like, yeah, I can use my manual hands to squeeze around your arm, mm -hmm. okay? You've done CPR, right? Mm -hmm. Two minutes of hard, fast compressions. How quickly tired, how tired do you get? It burns you. It burns you. Yeah. Yeah. You get exhausted, okay? I myself, I work out all the time, man. I'm a physically fit dude. Okay. Yeah, I can tell. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no laughing at that. But... So I'm gonna get fatigued and tired by forcing this compression. Mm -hmm. And then once I get fatigued and tired, my grip loosens. At the same time, there's blood all over there. So it's a little bit slippery, mm -hmm. okay? So once my grip loosens, the vessel starts to reopen again and it'll start bleeding, bleeding out again. Mm -hmm. In order for blood to clot on average, it takes about 10, oh, actually it takes probably more like 15 minutes 
for the blood to start clotting. Oh, to really? start to clot, yeah. not for a clot to form, to start clotting. So you have to stay here for 10, 15 minutes. That's, that's craziness. Mm -hmm. You're just not gonna be able to do it. So get the IFAC kit, learn to use the knee. Learn to use right. knee. So if you some, have or some well, are there any makeshift tourniquets that you, you we can use, like a like the what, strap from the What would you use bag? for the torque? What would you use if you have so, like a, a belt or a... You, you were in the Boy Scouts, mm -hmm. okay? What do they teach you out in the wilderness what to do? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, dude, it was only a few the, years the ago. The for the tent, they told us we could do that and then use the tent stake <laughs> oh, to did turn they it. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. And then yeah. use the tent stake All to right. turn it and then another string to tie the, the windsuit. So the, I didn't well, think about did, that. Did didn't you stake. wear that little handkerchief thing? Yes. Okay, so take your little handkerchief thing, or what I always tell people is go to your kitchen to grab all your bleeding control supplies. In your kitchen, everybody has a kitchen towel hanging up somewhere, mm -hmm. right? For easy, quick grab to for spills or clean, drying your hands off. Grab your kitchen towel and you tie it around the extremity. What's always next to the stove that people have? Like spatulas. Spatulas, wooden One spoons. Spoon, yes. Okay. You know, I always make the joke. You don't have a wooden spoon? Run out to Bed Bath and Beyond and get a nice big fat long wooden spoon and put it right there inside, you know, next to your stove, right where the paper towel is. And the knives, which we probably use to cut ourselves, right? Which is yeah. Well, that's because, and that's that's the one big thing I think people don't realize. Like he was saying, is like most of these situations aren't like an extreme active shooter. It's like you're cooking in the accident. You're cooking accidents. and an accident happens mm -hmm. yep. at it's your a, house. It's a freak accident that occurs. So the the, the towel. The, the spoon and now I can make that and turn it. So you cinch the towel around the extremity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. grab the wooden spoon, you slip it underneath the tie that the knot that you just made, and then you have to cause that circumferential squeeze and you do so by turning and twisting, just like you do with the tourniquets. Mm -hmm. Don't the, the reason why the commercial tourniquets are effective is if you want you can put it on there. But just promise. But this one's on. not a trainer, that's the only downside. Um, but the only reason why the tourniquets are effective is this rod. This rod causes that, when you turn the rod, it causes the tightness, the circumferential squeeze, and shrinks the tourniquet around the extremity. Once you turn your wooden spoon, it does the same thing. Mm -hmm. The only difference is with the tourniquets, the commercial products, once you turn the spoon or the rod, you can't let go. So you're gonna get another towel and tie it. Well, so with the commercial tourniquets, it's got a locking mechanism, so oh, okay. it doesn't yeah. unwind and unthread. Mm -hmm. If you're using a makeshift tourniquet, you can't let go. Right. Yeah, because it was like helicopter. It was just helicopter and unravel. But, you know, I tell people and when we do training classes and stuff, like, you, you can lay the person down on that side, and then the ground will prevent it from... It depends on how long. Ah, it depends on how long your wooden spoon is. That's why I said. Okay. So that's get fine. a big long wooden spoon. Okay. Um, but so, but the, but it. The important part is once you turn that torque, right, and cause that circumferential squeeze, you should see the blood stop squirting. Once it stops squirting, that means that you have applied enough pressure, and the vessel is no longer squirting blood out, right? Then you stop, and then help should be on this way as long as it's a non-threatening environment. You know, non-hostile environment, mm -hmm. and help should be there. You know, relative. Oh, it depends, I guess, where you live, but help should be coming on, on on their way. And then, as soon as we get there, then we'll apply our commercial tourniquets. Um, we won't take that off. We'll put ours on above it, mm -hmm. and then we can, you know, take that take that uh, makeshift one off. So that's good. That's but good. Um, but you know, people mention shoelaces and stuff. The only problems with the shoelaces and like wires and cables and stuff is it's a very thin product. Mm -hmm. And when you cause a squeeze, you can start tearing the skin and stuff. Mm -hmm. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because 
you, you saw the, uh, the simulator I have. So the simulator I have is electronic simulator measures pounds per pressure. And it, it you got to think what the torque is doing. It is causing a really tight squeeze and it hurts. Mm -hmm. It hurts a lot because yeah. you're pinching skin, okay? Mm -hmm. And with that, if it's something very thin, you can cut, you know, you're, yeah. basically, you're basically causing an amputation is what you're doing because you're cutting through their, uh, through their extremity. Yeah, um, I mean it's mostly tissue and skin. You're not going to go through the bone, but mm -hmm. um, but so you can cause cuts and wounds and lacerations and stuff. Um, a couple last things. Uh, someone asked on social media about train the trainer. Do you offer a train the trainer program? So with the stop the bleed, there's no real formal, um, you know, getting signed off to become an instructor trainer. With the Maricadra surgeons, they set parameters for people that can really be trainers. Um, obviously, EMTs, paramedics, nurses, you know, physicians, et cetera. Et cetera. They included law enforcement um, in this year's past, or in this past year's um, inclusion on going out and providing training. Um, it's really once you receive the class, then you're capable of going out and being an instructor to teach. I'm only hesitant on that because you need equipment and the supplies. Yeah. It's, it's what you really need. And what you do is you go to the American College of Surgeons um, website. We'll put the, the link in the uh, description. We'll yeah, it in there. The, on the Stop the Bleed website, and you register yourself as an instructor. And you put in your qualifications that are on there. And then they like to keep a registry of how many people have been trained. Um, so they want to try to see where the need is for trainers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And just try to keep a tally of, um, mm -hmm. you know, to see what's going on across uh, across the country. Um, but so there's really no official certification process or anything like that. Um, I have, you know, I have simulators, trainers, because you really need a bunch of tourniquets because you're gonna have to put these on people and they're gonna have to learn what a tourniquet is and I make sure I have a collection of over 50 tourniquets that were my trainers. Um, I have simulation wound simulators where they have to learn how to pack a wound. And I mean, you, you, you saw that stuff. So it's, it's, there's a lot involved in to properly put a class on together. And you don't want to use one and train with it and then have it yes. for duty that, as well. That's why I didn't use this because once I use this, I can't oh. use, I, it's only a one-time use only because it's stretched out beyond where the uh, capacity to hold it's, it. um, you know, um, to be effective. So once you use it, you can't, so that's why you can't practice with it. You can practice cinching it tightly, but yeah. you don't turn the you can't turn the rod right, right. so um but yeah so when it comes to train the trainer it's you know once you take the class for the most part depending on who you are so for you guys on the law enforcement side you can technically go out and provide the training um i only i, I only ask if you're going to do that to make sure you put a, a proper class on together mm -hmm. um uh, we do it at cooper hospital our classes are all free. We provide them at the uh, medical school. They're an hour long. It's the same class that I, I gave you guys. Um, everything's on hold now because you know of, of things that are going on. But uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be restarting that. Um, I come out myself and I provide the training free. I'm happy to do it. Um, that's my job. Is is what I do. Um, I'm passionate about it. I love it. And my my, you know, my goal is to get. As many people train as possible. If I can get every law enforcement agency, every school system, I, I would be a happy man, and I, and I, and I did my job. And yeah. I told you earlier before we started this uh, podcast, I, I've had two people call me and 
told me that they applied tourniquet and saved someone's life. And I was telling you about the one state trooper that we trained at the academy last year, applied one a tourniquet on a civilian, and it wasn't from a shooting or stabbing. He punched his hand through a window. Mm. He got in. He had a domestic with his girlfriend and punched it through. And what does everybody do when they punch through? They rip, rip it out. back. Got his radial arteries, oh. blood. Um, it was in a very rural area, and they weren't able to get um, EMS there quickly. He was the first one there. Grabbed his tourniquet after receiving the training from us, and applied tourniquet and saved that kid's life. I, awesome. I mean, yeah. it's to the point where awesome. where, where the where my trauma. It's great. It, it like that's not from me. That's from my division chief in trauma, wanting to give recognition to the EMS crew that did that. And we found that when I researched, looked back, it wasn't EMS. It was law enforcement that applied that. Yeah. So, as I said, it's not just for pre. It's not just for pre-hospital. It's not for EMS folks to do this training. Yeah. You guys are on the front. So, line. like you're saying, the closer we can get to when the injury happens, the the better trained that civilians are and that we all are. As this pandemic has taught everybody, we kind of have to be more self-reliant, right? We're buying more toilet paper. We're buying all these different things. Get more knowledge. And how to save yourself and each other. With the big actor shooting going on, you know, was it just a year or two ago? It seems like it seems like forever mm-hmm. with everything crap that's going on now. But so this is this really took off about getting civilians involved and trying to help. It's the same movement back with the American Heart Association getting CPR people getting trained in CPR. So it's the same movement. What you're seeing is stop the bleed boxes, emergency trauma kits or bleeding kits. And you're seeing them in public areas mm-hmm. in case there is an actor shooter event or in case there's some freak accident that happened. If somebody's at the mall and they fell down the stairs. Remember when the guy that threw the kid over the balcony at the mall? Mm-hmm. You know, some, some, some crazy ass stuff that happens, right? Yep. So what they're doing and what you're seeing more often is public stop the bleed kits. And what they are is tourniquets and wound pack dressing. One of the things that I got from your class too, and this is more civilian side of things, is now I keep one in my car at all times. So I have one in my car at all times. And the first thing I did, I had it in my first aid kit, which is in the trunk. But then I was like, oh crap. If I get stuck in an accident, it's me. I'm probably not gonna be able to get to my trunk. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now I just keep it right in my center console at all times. So that way, even if I'm jammed up, someone smashes in me, worst case scenario, I can have it within hand reach and I can actually get to it. So, so. I, I always implore that if you do go out and, and get yourself an IFAC kit or a tur- you know, or, t- or just a tourniquet, um, I always implore you guys, especially you guys on the law enforcement side when you're on duty and stuff, is it comes packaged up real neatly in a nice plastic bag. Is you gotta take it out of that mm-hmm. bag, okay? Get familiar with it of how you can quickly deploy it yourself with one hand in case you have loss of function of an arm, you know, et cetera. Um, and you can't have it in your first aid kit in the trunk of your vehicle. Yeah. Because if something happens, you're gonna have to run out there. It's gotta always be on you. Yeah. It's gotta always be on you. It should even be next to you in your duty bag. That's a lot of people people put them, you know, in the passenger seat and stuff. I can't stress it enough. It's gotta be on you. I mean, that Philly cop uh, years ago, we got shot at at the traffic light. Yeah. Remember the guy came he up put, to he put one on himself. Was it the guy put one on himself? He or? put one on himself. So yeah. he got out, chased down the perpetrator, right? And you see him running back to his car. It's because he was getting his tourniquet. Yeah. You know, he didn't have it on him. So, yeah. um, but, you know, if you get take one in the leg, you're, you might not be able to move, run, or you yeah. know, hide. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I implore people, you, you just have to carry it on you. Um, yeah. 
Um, last thing, uh, how, how can someone get a hold of you? So if, if they want to reach out and they have a, a business or they have a, a school or something that they want you to come out to, how do they get a hold of you? Like, do you have a website or email or where should they go? Um, I, I mean, I don't have a website per se. Uh, my email is collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S hyphen Brian, B-R-I-A-N at cooperhealth.edu. We'll drop that in the description too. Yeah, I mean, you, you can Google um, Cooper Hospital Stop the Bleed and it's gonna lead you to probably, I think the trauma section um, as well as uh, my name is in there. So. As I said earlier, you can get the class from Cooper Hospital, um, and that's where I direct a lot of civilians. Um, but And we come out and we do on-site training. We've done church groups. I've done Girl Scouts. I've done um, athletic teams. Obviously, I've done a lot of law enforcement. Um, and as I said, my big push this year was to go out to the schools, um, and I can't stress that enough. Religious organizations, we've done churches because of all the threats that are out there now, yeah. especially in this climate that we're in. Um, it, it just... You just don't know. But, and as I said, it's not for, you know, violence. You just don't know when it yeah. can happen. Freak accidents happen all the time. And you know from my lecture, the most likely scenario where you're going to see life-threatening bleeding to occur is going to be from car crashes. Because yeah. yeah. they happen all the time. And where your vessels are, they run along the length of your bones. If a bone snaps and cuts one of your vessels, then you're bleeding. And again... So you might be driving by, I mean, it could be three, four, five, six minutes till an officer arrives at the scene. So if you have one in your car, you might be able to assist in that car scene if, you know, if, if you can, you know, safely. And they might be trapped inside the vehicle. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. I, I can't stress it enough. This, this contraption, it, it, it truly saves lives. I mean, there's, in my experience, you throw this thing on. I mean, there aren't that many things that I've seen and done that truly save lives but this truly saves lives as long as it goes on quickly and appropriately i mean because you can't just kind of just wince it on when the person starts screaming and begging you to stop hurting them yeah because that's some of the studies from the soldiers saying that the pain from the tourniquet was far worse than their actual injury mm -hmm. okay you can't if they're still bleeding you gotta keep twisting it once it stops bleeding then you stop and then you lock it into place it's, and, it's, and remember that remember that yeah. You're going to get that social pressure to stop. You're going to get other people that are in the air. Stop, stop. You're hurting. You're hurting. You're hurting. You're hurting. You're you don't want to inflict more harm. I mean, that's, that's, right, what, right. that's what we do. But you're going to have to if it, if it hasn't stopped bleeding. Because it's kind of the same thing if you, know, if, if you have the hose and you got the sprinkler on, you don't just partially turn off the sprinkler, right? You completely turn it off because you don't want the water. You want to stop the water from you know, yeah. coming out. So, um, yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and through the training, I mean, the training that I provide, you, you, you know, I, I make sure that you guys understand yep. that. <laughs> you feel the pain. <laughs> what it feels like to have a yes. tourniquet on. Yes. And hopefully you won't get deterred from, you know, calling me to come out. Yeah. Um, I'm but, not deterred yet, so I'm going to call you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you, you can Google me, uh, Brian Collins at Cooper Hospital, um, Stop the Bleed. Uh, you guys said you'll put my information. Yeah, we'll put it all in the description, yep. and, and then uh, yeah, and uh, feel free to reach out to him and drop a comment below. Let us know if you do have him out, how it worked out, or you know, provide some pictures and share with us. We'd love to see it. Um, Corey, you want to give your little information real quick? Yeah, Corey at Safety Man, all one word like Superman. Safetyman.co is my email address. You can ask me any questions, any show notes, show ideas that you want to see in the future. 
and just give us some comments. Let us know how you like the shoes that we're actually putting on for you. You know our goal is to try to make you self-sufficient and safe and be able to help yourself first and then help your neighbor next. So like, follow, listen, share, subscribe to Safety Man Podcast. Anthony, Brian, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Stay safe and be ready.